three, two, one, and we're back. Okay, welcome to the SBH podcast. In this episode, we are going to be going over fishing logs. And the reason we're going to be going over fishing logs is I get many questions uh, about fishing logs and why I use them and why they're useful and why somebody should be using them or how to use them. Uh, And this is something that is, you know, it's kind of like corny because I feel like everybody says this, but it is true. You need to have a fishing log in order to really progress your fishing, not only with numbers of fish, but just sheer, like you get much larger fish once you start recording down things. Because then as I've talked about in past podcasts, it's like a formula. There's a formula to it that if you have enough of the right ingredients, you're going to end up catching a bigger fish. So um, I guess I want to talk a little bit about why, like, you know, what I do and how I, you know, keep my fishing log. Now, I am horrible at it. Sorry, I'm just going to move my chair over a little bit here. Um, I'm not very good at, use, like, utilizing my fishing log uh, because I, I have such a hard time staying motivated to keep writing down everything every single time I fish, regardless if I catch big fish or not. And last year, I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't do a good job of being honest in my fishing log as far as just writing down every single day a fish. There were days where I caught a bunch of schoolies and I was just like, why am I going to write this down? When in reality, that's super important. Why did you catch a bunch of schoolies that day? And then what can you do differently to hopefully not catch as many schoolies or catch even more schoolies or just catch bigger fish? Um, and that is something that hopefully I can kind of talk in, talk in depth about here. Uh, and I've done a good, like I've done a fair amount of research about this. I'm by, I mean, I, I try to do the bare minimum amount of writing I can and the bare minimum amount of like different ingredients that I have to keep in mind. Cause if you think about it, when you're going out fishing, you should be thinking about, um, every single ingredient that's going on that day. So when I, I wake up and I'm like, I'm fishing today, uh, I, I am like, okay, so where am I going to fish? The wind is out of the north. So that means I'm going to go where the wind is blowing straight on shore. Uh, I'm going to go and I'm going to position myself on this structure because uh, the wind is going to create waves and because if the wind is... And the weather as well, if it's, you know, super sunny out, you're like, okay, I don't really, I'm not going to want to fish during the day. I'm going to want to fish at night. So there's a lot of different things that you have to keep in mind. And then you go water clarity. Uh, and that's something that there's a lot of different subtopics, I'd say. Now, when I have, what I have in my fishing log is really, I focus mostly on the moon and the wind. Those are the two biggest factors for me. I know that if I can have an onshore wind and I can have a moon phase that is a new or a full moon that I'm going to have a better uh, shot at catching a bigger fish. And that's what I've always done. I don't really, honestly, if I could just pick two things to have is those two things. And I've done a thing about fishing logs before, but I'm going to redo it because I get so many questions about fishing logs and um, maybe, you know, because I don't really remember what I said. Maybe I'm going to say some different stuff. Uh, So hopefully this will work. Hopefully you guys will enjoy this. Um, so anyway, uh, my, my thing that I really focus on is the wind. I like wind. 
Now, I've had tons of people tell me, why do you focus so much on wind? I don't, you don't necessarily need to be focusing this much on wind. And honestly, I think it just is the fact that of where I fish and the structure that I fish. Um, and then I have a lot of people asking me questions about, uh, why do you log a skunked trip? And then I always tell them, and I'm like, yeah, I would log a skunk trip because that means you did something wrong. You should never get skunked when you're fishing. I think I got skunked three times last year in total out of the, and I fished, um, I think I fished between six to seven times a week. So I pretty much took one day off a week, maybe, maybe fishing. I fished the rest of those days. Um, and so I logged a good fair amount of days fishing. And then the days that I don't really count, I guess you could count them as skunk trips as if I go get out there, I either have gear failure or I'm getting eaten alive by bugs and I don't have bug spray or something. I forgot something. So I just like packed it up and left before I really had a shot to fish. What I qualify as getting a skunk trip is me fishing like two, three hours and not catching anything, which rarely, rarely happens. As I said, I think it maybe happened two to three times last year. Uh, and it was probably because of the conditions being drastically different than I thought they would be um, when I was going out there, which is more like shame on me for not fishing or not like really paying attention to what the weather's going to do. Um, and so, but I also was um, a wimp and I didn't get out of my comfort zone. I only fished in my comfort zone. I didn't explore. I didn't, because that's the other time if you're going to get like, um, if you're going to lose, uh, or I guess if you're going to get skunked, it's because you're trying something new and you can't, you can't go out there every single day and try something new and expect great things right off the start. Like I'm going to go really hard at trying to learn, um, how to fish a sandy beach really well, how to fish an estuary really well, um, and be as confident fishing off of a sandy beach and estuary as I am fishing off the rocks. That's one of my main goals for this season. Um, and so if I did that, 100%, I would have had many, many days where I got skunked because I don't know how to fish those conditions in broad daylight. Although the times that I did go and I did fish in estuaries, I actually did pretty well last year. I fished twice and both those times I was fishing small topwater plugs and I both those times I caught maybe two to three schoolies, about 25 inches which is like a decent fish. I mean, I remember two, two years ago, I'd be thinking a 25 inch bass is a quality outing. If you can get two fish that are 25 inches, that's awesome. So I think that like getting a bass in the mid 20 inches is a success, especially if you're in a new spot, getting any fish in a new, in a new place, especially action or more consistent action can be super awesome. So, uh, as far as just cause it's super, um, fulfilling to know that your practice and what you tried to apply today actually worked successfully. And sometimes that does not the case. Uh, so for instance, when I'm going to go fish in an estuary, I might have a viewpoint where I want to fish topwater plugs like I do. And that might not be the best way to catch a big fish. Maybe I should be bouncing the bottom with a bucktail or a soft plastic. Um, that might be a better way to catch a bigger fish in an estuary. I know that's a way that a lot of people love fishing estuaries. Personally, it's my least favorite way to fish. My least favorite way to fish is bottom bouncing estuaries for sure. Like my least favorite way to fish. Um, so that's pretty, you know, so that's just my mind as far as like, I didn't really fully try as hard as I could. Now, when we're talking about fishing off of a sandy beach, I feel like I 90% of the time won't get skunked just because 
uh, I feel like you can just fish the little indents in the beach and there's always schoolies stacked up in these little indents, no matter if you're fishing the wrong tide, wrong wind. Like, I feel like there's always bass in those little places. And the thing is, in the spring, that's a great place to fish because you can get consistent action all day. But for me, I want to get 30-pound bass. And that might sound like a, like a far stretch and a big goal because it is. Like, if I'm not catching giant fish, I'm not really happy with what I'm doing because that's where I'm at in fishing. I want to catch big fish. I've caught a lot of schoolies. I've caught plenty of schoolies in my life. Uh, so, in which in my fishing, and I've just gotten not bored of it, and I would kill to catch one schoolie bass right now. I'd kill because I haven't caught a fish yet this season. I guess it just depends on how many fish you catch. Um, yeah, and I'm talking really fast because I'm drinking coffee in the afternoon before this podcast because I was about to fall asleep before I did this. So that is also helping me talk extremely fast right now. So that's why I'm like talking at a million miles an hour. So I'll try to slow down a little bit. Um, anyway... So when I, what I really want to try to do is learn how to fish in like off a of sandy beach. Now, I know for me that when I'm going to go fish off a of sandy beach, probably the most prominent structure that is like there are fish, gonna, there will be a fish here regardless. And the structure that will actually hold a big fish and most longer sandy beaches have are rips. Um, and that's where you know, it, I guess it can be kind of two parts. Like there's a there's multiple things to it. You can have water. You can have a sandy point. So like a sandy point, which is kind of like just a, like a you can you. It's like a long stretch of sandbar that a sandbar, a long stretch of sand that is a high point. Uh, it goes from what maybe three feet on either side to maybe two feet on the top. And if you walk out on, on that or you cast up onto that, you can float your bait from one side of the current to the other. And depending on some, most of the time, the bass will be on the back side of the rip uh, and sheltering behind the sandbar. So if you think about it, you have current going over this rip here. You have current going over the rip, but the bass are sit, sitting right behind the rip in the shelter of that little sand hump. And they are waiting for that bait to get pushed over it. Um, and that's a great way to catch big fish is when you're fishing off the side of a, like the backside of a rip. Um, but sometimes, especially bigger fish, will actually sit in front of the rip. So that's why when I'm fishing like off of in a rip, I try to cast pretty far up, uh, up the rip because those bigger fish will sometimes sit there and they, because they're bigger and stronger, they can sit in that current and wait. Now, because they know that there's that rip behind them, so it kind of like pins the bat, the bait. So if they do see bait and it gets by them, they can pin it to the to the rip. Um, and so that's like this is my basic knowledge of fishing um, in, off of sandy beaches. I don't do it that like that often at all. And so what I want to do is do it to a point that I'm so confident that I know I can catch the biggest fish on the beach. And a huge huge way of doing that is using your fishing logs. So I just wanna get into it. What's in my fishing log? I have tide, I have um, moon phase, weather, wind, um, waves, plugs, and the time of day. And those are all interchangeable as far as where I have them set up. I just typed them down into, a, into my notes. 
like I, I what I do is I match like like my tide, my the waves, moon phase, and like put them in different sections almost. But then you have you go to like something like plugs. What plugs are you throwing? And then you have like structure as well as another thing. But I have that in my notes below it. I do what I, I guess is, I mean, is a fishing log or a fishing journal. So uh, I do a little like, like entry to what I'm doing that day. So say I went there, I say, I say the, the wind was blowing onshore. So the water's a little bit dirty. There's some seaweed in the water. The clarity of the water was not that great because it was blowing onshore for a couple of days, but it was still, we're in the rocks, so it's still gonna be cleaner than off of a sandy beach. So it was pretty, the water was pretty clean other than the seaweed. Uh, I had six fish that day. Um, I was fishing at seven to 10.30 that night. I had six fish between 30 and uh, 40 inches. That would be like a great night of fishing. Um, if you, not a great night, but it would be a good night of fishing if you got th six fish over 30 inches, that would be quality. And then I try to uh, tell like the size and the weight of the, the fish. Um, so if I had a fish, so I, if I caught like a 33 inch bass and that 33 inch bass would be probably, I don't know, maybe 12. And if it was fat, maybe 15 pounds. And then I had like a 35 inch bass and that would be like 15 to maybe 18 pounds, 19 pounds. Um, and then I had a 40 inch bass, let's just say we can add in the 40 inch bass, a 40 inch bass is about 20 pounds, maybe a little under, maybe a little over. So that would be like my gauge of size. Um, and then I could kind of, and then if you really wanted to, you could graph out, and this is later, like if I was trying to really look over and study my fishing log, in the off season because really what you want to do is you want to log all of this up and if you have time then you want to be reading through your data and then you kind of want to graph it out you want to be like okay I was fishing at this time of day what did I catch during this time of day you know and then you could graph sizes and lengths and weights of the fish and see like the curve what is the best time of the day to actually end up fishing in that spot um, is it you know in the like in the early morning or is it in the middle of the day or at night so that's something that you should be doing in the winter when you're doing your logs and this is a lot of work I'm not like trying to sound like this is not a lot of work this is a lot of work and this is why I'm so bad at keeping up with my log and really studying it and really writing it more coherently so what I'm gonna do next year is I'm gonna write it next season this coming season um, I'm going to be writing it in a more coherent way. Having read a lot of stuff online about fishing logs and other people's logs and read other log books and talked to other fishermen and what they do, um, I kind of have a better uh, you know, thought of what I'm gonna do. I mean, I was kind of doing the right stuff, but I wanna be able to make it an easy way that I can write it down. I have, I've also written stuff down on my, this is my secret notepad, and um, good thing you none of you will be able to re read my handwriting, but. Um, I'll just make sure um, we yeah I mean you won't be able to see exactly where I was here probably but like what I what I try to do is I I write my also write in cursive so you guys are definitely not gonna be able to read this <laughs> um, and so uh, 
it, I have like the time that I fished. So I fished from 3.30 p.m. to 6.15 p.m. Uh, it was mid-tide on incoming. Uh, the wind was three miles per hour. Um, it, the waves were two to three feet. Um, it was, uh, the moon phase it was a waxing crescent. Um, uh, you know, um, I fished the set out of the rocks. I don't know. Rocks. Um, the, uh, big fish. I'm trying to see what I can say without, uh, yeah, I was fishing a spook. And I got five fish on the spook, um, all of various sizes. Um, and then I also fished a location. It was in a back bay. Um, and it was early in the spring. That's like a, one of my favorite places to fish are like back bays in the springtime with like big topwater spooks. Because what happens is you get, and this is like early. I'm talking about the first two weeks that the bass show up in your location. If you want to get like the biggest bass out of that, that, out of that area, like in the first two weeks, one, you can use small eels. That's like the best way to do it. And you can probably catch bass into the low 30s. Um, number two, what you can do is you can throw large topwater spooks and stuff in back bays. And sometimes you'll find these little pods of bass and they can be in that high 20 inch range. And it's a lot of fun, especially when you have lighter tackle. I like to throw my lighter setups and um, just have a lot of fun. I'm going to do more fly fishing this spring because um, I just want to do more fly fishing than I did last year. I was really focusing on getting size. Um, I'd love to get a bigger fish on the fly rod. If I get something that's like 20 pounds on my fly rod, I'd be ecstatic. Um, so that's kind of another goal I have. But yeah, so I'm going to try to... When, so what I tried to do in like the spring is I look, you know, look through my log book here and I can see that I fished this back bay area in last spring. Uh, I fished it, what, six times probably. I actually didn't fish it after that the whole year. Um, and I fished that spot six times and I had bass up to 30 inches there. And that was between May 4th and um, I was, I'm gonna say maybe May 15th, 16th. That's when I started like trying to turn into catching bigger fish. And then when it, when it got to late May, that was when there was 40, 30, 40 pound bass around and we started to really hammer some big fish, especially and I had one spot that worked so well in the spring and then it just died. But I had this just such killer season there early and I was like, no, my spot. I was so pissed. I was so pissed because that, my, that spot was producing so well for me and then it just slowed down. Um, and that was so, I was, frustrating because then I had to find another spot that would produce and that's also not that easy to do is to find multiple spots of where there are big fish um, but what helps is if you can find certain structure and then you can write it down your log and then when you look back at your log and you're like okay this structure where I have a rock like rocks that are very high up in the water waves crashing over those rocks with white water coming in I know that that swirling white water underneath there, there's gonna be some fish set up. So I know, okay, look for big boulders and stuff that are shallow to deep. And I did a lot of that, like shallow to deep, wave sweep where waves are crashing on one side of a big group of boulders and pushing a lot of water in. That's something that I really love because that creates a lot of current and it creates a hole and it also creates um, just multiple ambush points 
where the bait is going to get funneled in. And the bass there, oh my gosh, the bass can just get giant, get huge, huge, huge. Um, and then you can throw it, and then it gets really fun once you like do a lot of work. I guess the more work you put in to understand where the bass are, what the bass are feeding on, um, like all the different conditions that you can, that you can figure out with the logs, like what time of day works best, what moon phase works best, what what tide works best. That's the other thing I have that's pretty important is tide. Um, I personally like for catching big fish, I like slack high or slack low. And slack tide, when it's not like, when you look at like slack tide and you have like the moon phase and it goes up and then down on this curve, slack there's two points of slack. Um, it's when the current is moving at its least, like not very fast. It's when the current slows down, not when it stops. So if you wanna really fish slack, you wanna fish like that hour to two hours before high tide or hour to two hours after high tide, same thing with low tide, hour to hour and a half, hour to two hours before low tide, hour to hour, hour to an hour to two hours. Wow, I can't speak. Hours, an hour to two hours at low tide um, and that's like slack and that's when I think the biggest fish are moving around I also think that when you have like day to night and night to day switches it, it which is much more prominent and happens a lot quicker in my opinion at um, at, at the uh, in the evening than in the morning but when you have those actual big day-to-day -day switches then that's a bite that switch from it being dark to light or light to dark, that's when I think big fish feed. So if you can f coincide a moon phase with sunset um, and like high tide, then you're like, you have perfect storm to catch a really large fish that in early too, you don't have to lose sleep either. If you can fish a place that at, um, at high tide um, around a moon phase and, or at like slack high tide around a moon phase in a spot that has good, with good wind and everything, then you, you've hit a grand slam. And I have so many times where I've brought people out and they've had killer, killer days, caught the biggest fish of their lives. Um, and that's another thing. I mean, these t-shirts, I'm like, if you guys buy these t-shirts, this is the last day I'm putting this out on Wednesday, Wednesday, this Wednesday is the last day you can buy these t-shirts. They're in the link of my Instagram at Stripe Bass Hunt. And if you purchase one of these t-shirts, um, you and you tag me on Instagram in a post, uh, you're entered into a raffle to win a free fishing trip with me um, and have a decent, and I would suggest picking, um, and you can pick any day of your choice during the fishing season, but it will be on Cape Ann. And I would suggest picking it around either a new or a full moon. Um, and also like we can keep it up in the air too. I can tell you like if I can see 10 day forecast and I can see what direction the wind's blowing in, I can tell you where I like what I like, what winds I like the best, uh, and what time and like what time would be the best for us to meet. Um, there's all sorts of things I got to figure out, but that's for next season, like next year, because number one, we have this crazy coronavirus. So I hope everybody's staying safe and this is no joke. This is real. So Everybody just social distance, go fish by yourself. Um, yeah, so if you can do that, that would be great. Um, because the more people social distance, the better, uh, the quicker this will be over. Um, anyway, so the if we can fish uh, in these, if we can fish uh, a good moon phase, we'll be able to 
to get onto some big fish as well as what i was saying is it's going to be next year because we do have the coronavirus and also i'm probably going to start guiding next year um i've talked a little bit about that i'm have it kind of up in the air about what i'm going to do next year but yeah next year i'm contemplating guiding a little bit so if you guys are excited about that you can comment on my um in the youtube if you want if you, you think that's a good idea and if you guys want to come out with me at some point because maybe in 20 2021 wow that's crazy you guys can come fish with me but yeah um i'm super excited about this next season i've talked a lot about like i guess i'm not really getting that deep into the fishing log stuff but like i'll get a little bit more deep into it i'm super excited about this next season it's so close uh i have um what i'm probably gonna catch my first fish this is coming out wednesday as in this wednesday um and what is it the 15th 16th man I'm blind my contacts are dry uh it's the 15th um i think wow i have to check this to make sure this is right yeah it's the 15th um so anyway uh i'm gonna be um this is gonna be posted on the 15th and the 22nd is a new moon and that's when the bass should be in cape ann in my opinion I don't care what anybody else says. I've heard people talking about how, um, oh, I caught my first bass March 3rd on the Cape. I'm like, I caught my first bass much further north than you in or March, May, sorry. May 4th or May 3rd on the Cape. I was like, I caught my bass way further, further north than you in May as well, May 4th or whatever. And so, um, like, I know like, and not only did I catch that fish, I had consistent action of like have like strong feeding schools of bass from then on out. So I know for a fact that the bass are gonna be a week earlier cause they are showing up everywhere a week to even more earlier. So um, if, so we know that the, the bass are a week to or more earlier. So if that's the case, they're gonna be showing up the week of the 22nd, uh, which I think is a Monday, correct me if I'm wrong, or maybe a Wednesday, it's either a Monday or a Wednesday, I think, uh, the 22nd, I'm not gonna figure this out now, cause I can't. Um, so that's when I think the bass are gonna be here. So I'm gonna go to the Cape, and the reason I'm going to the Cape is because, number one, I, we can, I can drive there with one tank of gas, get out of my car, fish, get in my car and drive home all on one tank of gas and not putting anybody else in danger of getting the coronavirus or me getting it or whatever. So that will be, so I'm still social distancing. Um, I'm going to fish a spot down, down there. And I, that I know have, has a herring run or alewife or whatever. And so I know the alewife come in there, they come out, they stage up in these rocks right at the mouth of the estuary. And I know that if the bass are going to be there early, they're like if the bass are gonna be um, anywhere, they're gonna be there early because it's gonna be in um, like later in the uh, or later. Wow, it's gonna be kind of where like it'll be like if the fish are coming into or onto the cape, it's gonna be one of the first areas that they'll show up on. And that's your hint. You can look in an estuary where there are rocks at the mouth of it, and it is where the bass will start showing up there first. That is an alewife run. If you guys can figure that out, because I don't necessarily, I looked on Google Earth 
I saw it. I looked up about that area. Yeah, because that's what I do. So if you really want to find a good, solid spring area to fish, it, what you can do is you can go on Google Earth. You look at estuaries. Look at estuaries that go up and into um, – go up and – there's like our yard work going out here, going around for some reason. I don't even know if it's it's like too – whatever. It's super loud. Anyway, if you can hear that, I apologize. But there's um, there's a area – if you can look at like estuaries that go up into smaller like lakes or lakes, like smaller ponds or lakes and stuff, then there's a good chance there's going to be alewife pushing through there. And most of the time if there are, you can look up that river system – and you'll, and number one, 90% of them have alewife in their name. Um, and then the others are, uh, you can look up and there'll be something about alewife or something about the, like, the whatever. It'll have alewife. You can look up the system. So that's what I would do. Find where there's bait that is going to be early. We all know that the alewife show up just before the bass do. And that if you can find where the alewife are coming through, uh, you can find where the bass are. There's a spot local to me that uh, I've, I have put on my story where I keep going and looking for the alewife. And I know there's alewife going through because there's somebody, I don't even know who, but there's somebody, there's a, it's all electronic. So there's a big, um, it, I don't know how it counts it, but it counts the alewife electronically. And then somebody comes by and puts on a whiteboard the amount of alewife that have come through that spot in the, um, in the, in the day or the past day. So I saw, I was there like, three days earlier and it was like 150 alewife came through and then I was there yesterday and it was like 225 alewife. So the alewife are starting in Cape Ann are starting to get going now, uh, which gives me faith that we're going to be getting bass fairly soon. Cause once you really start seeing a lot of alewife, that's when I feel much more confident that we could be getting into some good, like we could be getting some bass in. The other thing that I think of is holdover fishing. Uh, sometimes there are fish that are um, that's overwinter in the rivers, and what they do is they push the alewife, or when the alewife are running, they go and they push the alewife up near the the bank and they sit and wait. And sometimes you can have a lot of fun with a little light spinning rod or light or a fly rod, and you can get some decent sized bass. You can get bass up to like 25 pounds. Or more, almost 30 pounds. Probably you could get a 30-pounder, I don't know, in those bigger... I mean, obviously, in the huge um, rivers, there are people that get bass that are 30 pounds that are holdovers. But that's, like, crazy if you can do that. I would love to get even some schoolies that are holdovers. So, uh, and I don't really try to holdover fish that much, but I try to go for big fish if I feel like I have a shot at doing it. So it's going to be high tide tonight. So I'm going to be in a spot where I know that the alewife are going to get could in theory get pushed to the sides. And I feel like that there should be some holdovers in that spot. Um, so we cross our fingers that because we're getting closer to a new moon and the alewife are starting to pick up in the amount that are going through and we're at a high tide, I feel pretty confident that I could get into some uh, into some holdovers, which would be very awesome. Uh, I'd be kind of shocked if I did because I really like, I don't know, I've, I don't even know if they're there. They, the holdovers are there. I don't even know how many alewife are moving. I'm just hoping that at sunset, as I'm talking about a bite, I'm talking about bait move as well, right at sunset. So I'm waiting, I'm thinking maybe if I go there at sunset, the bait are going to be moving. 
And so when I'm talking, I'm going to go a little bit back to my fishing log because uh, this is really what this podcast is about. Um, the thing about the fishing, the fishing logs and fishing uh, is you want to be able to, your brain can't hold all the knowledge, even though it, I, I can kind of like think about like in my mind, like I don't have to go check my log to know where I'm going to be fishing at night a lot of the time because I have spots in mind that I'm like, this is a wind is blowing from the south. I want to be here because the wind is blowing from the south and I know this spot is good when the wind's blowing from the south. And that really determines a lot of where I fish is where the wind is blowing. Um, the secondary thing is what when what tide is it when the sun is setting? Because I like to fish right at sunset. All of my biggest fish came right at sunset. I think that switch from sunset to sunrise, you know, or that switch from sunset or sunrise, that switch from it being dark to light or light to dark is a huge like time is a time that the bass are feeding, um, or it can shut them off. So. When we're when I'm looking at my my log, that's what I want to look at. Now in the winter time, it's a great thing to do is just read back through your log, and because spring's coming, so what you want to do is you want to start at spring. I say I'll start like later in the season. I'll start at springtime and I'll start reading through that, and I'll read where I fished, what conditions worked, and now and then what I'll start doing is plugging in the times of day and the tides of different areas and seeing. Okay, I'll plug in like an area on a graph. And then I'll plug in the time of day and then I'll plug in the tide and I'll get everything graphed out to the point that I know at what time of day the bass are feeding the heaviest there, at what tide the bass are feeding the heaviest there, and um, in what time of year the bass are feeding the heaviest there. And then I know, okay, fish that spot now. And then like clockwork, you have specific conditions. You go to your graph that you did that winter, then you can figure exactly where it is. Now, I can't do that, and or I guess I can do that, but I don't have years and years and years and years of this. Some people have 30 years worth of log. If they did that for 30 years and they fished in one area for 30 years and they took all of that data, they wrote it all down, and then they used that data to then graph out exactly where the fish would be, you could have any conditions and you could, put, you could make a calculator like you could make on... Um, Excel, you can make a calculator so that you can plug in the conditions into certain boxes and it will give you the best place to fish that time depending on all the, the variables. So you wouldn't have to work any of that out in your head. You could just go to that spot, it would tell you where to fish, what lures to throw, everything. It would just calculate that for you so much easier than you having to do this, work it out all in your head. And if you had 30 years of that, I don't think there's a big fish that you couldn't catch. There's no excuse if you've 30 years of fishing, or even like 10 years. If you've five to 10 years of fishing log, there's no excuse that you shouldn't be able to plug that into your calculator, your fishing calculator. And if you do end up, if you are fortunate enough to catch bigger fish and you have in the past, you plug that into your, your calculator or you plug certain conditions where the fishing is best into your calculator and you should be able to one, catch a big fish, to catch multiple big fish and that's the thing like if you could do that oh man like that's set so that's my goal is to be able to in five to ten years from now be able to have a fishing log that is extremely well detailed and then i can plug in every single winter plug it into this graph plug these different places into these different graphs so i know exactly what plugs i was throwing exactly what tide i was fishing there exactly what wind works best like everything for 
every single spot on Cape Ann that I fish, which could be what I could have 20 different places that I fish, whether that be, you know, five sandy beaches, five estuaries, five rocks, you know, or more, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's what you could do five places that, and I probably more, I probably have 20 different places that are off the rocks of structure alone that I think look good. And then I will fish this coming season, 20 different places. Now, will I eliminate that? Cause that's something that I do in the winters. I look through all of the different places that I think look good. And then I go fish every single one of them. And I slowly start eliminating the ones that are not producing. And then what I do is I take those spots and then I work each spot extremely hard. And even the spots that I cull and I cull out, they might still have fish. It's just that I'm not going to focus on them this year. I have like tons of years to come that I can focus on those spots if I want to revisit them. So then I start focusing on each spot, focusing in on each spot. And, you know, the thing is, it's much easier. It's much, much, much easier to have one thing going on than have 30 things going on and 30 things that you have to like keep in mind and test and everything. So if you really want to get one spot figured out, you have to fish it for almost a whole season. And if not, at least every single tide, every single moon phase, every single wind direction, you need to fish a spot from. Now I can tell you that you're going to have better luck, especially if it's off the rocks with a wind moving directly in. Now on a sandy beach, what you really want is wind blowing with the current that enhances the speed of the current. That is super key. That creates more current um, and that helps a lot. So uh, this is something, there's a lot of, it's, this is a more technical podcast because this is a very technical thing. If you really want to catch big fish, uh, you got to, you got to like really work hard at it. And you know, people ask me like, how are you so young? How do you catch big fish? And that's because I try my hardest at everything that I do. And that like people hate, like, like people, the thing is like, it's really hard to do that. You got to, to be able to, and that's just how I am. Like I try extremely hard at whatever I'm doing, no matter that be sports school, um, or fishing. I try as hard as I can to be as best I can at that thing. And that means hours and hours and hours spent. Uh, I guess it would be less for school and more for more things that are fun. It's a lot easier to do that. But even for something that I dislike doing like fishing logs or like school, um, I still have to like, you still have to try hard to do it. Like I still try really hard at school. I still have to, in order to be good at fishing, you have to do something that's really boring, which is like making sure every single time you get back from fishing that you write down in your fishing log, no matter if it's one in the morning, you get, you get home fishing one, two in the morning, you haven't slept all night. You have to get on your computer and you have to write down your fishing log. And the reason I say get on your computer is because then you can search dates. So you can do it kind of chronological because you can now search dates up very much easier. And then in the winter, you can just put the whole thing in a graph and graph it out. And um, it, it's much easier said than done. There's more technical parts about that. I don't know that much about Excel, but I know that you can do stuff like that on Excel and I need to dig deeper into that. I have this in my mind. Actually, I've never talked to anybody that does this as far as like creates a calculator through Excel, but now um, I've like, I've heard people doing it with other things with baking recipes. You can, you can have a baking recipe and for the amount of different people, for the amount of, um, if you want to double or triple the batch, you can uh, have all of the ingredients doubled and tripled for you by just plugging in the number of food you want to make. So it's going to be, it's kind of like that because at the same time it is baking. It's the same thing. It's ingredients. It's basic. It's the same basic uh, thought process and mindset behind it. You have multiple ingredients to get 
your food good and to be able to have good food you have to have a there i mean you got to make sure everything's perfect it's hard to have everything be perfect in fishing but because there's a hundred thousand times more you know variables that have everything to do from water temp barometric pressure air temperature and then time of year how aggressive the fish are feeding like everything really everything um really has its own uh like its own thing that makes it difficult to do uh and i hope that like that makes sense to some i hope this makes sense to those of you that are watching because or watching and listening because this is a podcast uh because this is something that's super technical and um i didn't go that deep into it and i didn't have this idea now that i have it on tape my idea is hopefully gonna actually come to fruition i guess i don't know but i feel like you know what i do there i throw words out that i feel like sound good and sometimes they just have nothing to do with what i'm talking about and that was one of those scenarios where i just threw a word out there and hope that it meant what i was hoping it to mean um anyway so um when i'm like what i'm trying to say is there's ways to make your life extremely easy by making it more difficult and that is you're gonna have to work super hard you know to write down your log in a way that you can take all the ingredients from that log plug it into an ixl get everything in high excel wow that's a thing that you use for math um an excel uh, spreadsheet and you can um plug it into something like that you can um then push through that and you can get that all calculated out to where you should be fishing or what like conditions are best so that's very um it's i guess kind of it's going to be something that's hard for a lot of people to like do it's going to it's not easy to do but if you really want to be like if you want to be the best fisherman you can be in your location you like that's a way that you might not have naturally you might not naturally be able to be the best fisherman just because you don't have the ability to read water super well i mean i feel like i'm not naturally a good fisherman i'm not i feel like i'm naturally good at catching things but i feel like i'm not naturally good at um reading conditions i i take it takes me a lot to read a spot i fish a spot almost all season before i 100 know it and the thing is a lot of my spots are so finicky that a average person coming in there would have to wouldn't be able to like we catch nothing but then if you spend a lot of time you focus in there's certain boulders and there's certain currents and there's certain tides where there's a current just hitting a boulder and when it's hitting that one boulder you know when it's the boulders in this it's in this one spot where the current is coming in it's breaking the current and it's a 25 minute period where that is the spot to be the bass you can get 20 30 40 pound bass there for 25 minutes in every single cast and that's one spot that i have and um and but the conditions have to be perfect and that's the thing i wouldn't know that unless i logged it you know because i didn't see that until i read my log i i well really i i fished it once i fished that thing once and i had a success like crazy success and then what i did is i i got i got that um i took that information when i got home and plugged it all into my my fishing log and then i fished it different and then i tried to fish it the next day but at a slightly different tide didn't work so then i looked back at my log i was like why does that why is that not working not that i didn't catch anything because i caught a few schoolies same tide not same tide but same time of day and i was like okay 
I need this tide. And I was like, why is that spot not working? Why is that not working? Because I fished all through a bunch of different things, but I didn't fish that same tide. And then I was like, huh, I wonder if there's current coming through this spot because I knew a little bit further to the to the left of it, there's another boulder that the current that was, that like when you wade out to it, the, you can feel the current. I mean, it's pretty strong. Um, I should take a video because there's one spot that I wade out to and this is total tidal sweep. It's where one wave, a wave breaks, washes through, and then another wave breaks and washes through and it has its tidal sweep. You stand there, it is like, it's strong current. It's really strong current, but it's wave current. It's really interesting and that's what I fish so much and that's what I love fishing is this wave current. It's very, you know, it's a very unique type of fishing, but I, it's a way that I know a lot of people fish and a lot of people have a lot of luck doing. It's the way I fish and the way I know I can catch a big fish. And that's why I'm gonna fish a lot of that this season. But what I wanna do is I wanna get comfortable fishing other places. Now, I know that I know that I can fish there and I can catch fish. Now, what it's gonna be for me is giving up good moon phases to try other spots. Now, not necessarily do I have to do that. I might just have to fish that spot when I know the tide is good in certain places off of the rocks that I know will produce. And then I need to, to take myself away from there and um, go somewhere else and try to fish there and see if I can fish there at different tides. As long as I can get my fix of maybe catching a 30, 40 pounder during the perfect golden conditions that only happen maybe once or twice a year, uh, and because here's the thing, golden conditions can be the same golden conditions somewhere else. So you need to kind of have everything like varied because what happens if you go to a spot and it's either loaded with people or something's going like you can't get to get there and you're like, darn, you know, I can't get there. What do I do? I have another place that's completely different condition. Like it's a sandy beach versus a rocky versus off the rocks. I know that spot will produce. So I go there and I fish there. Or the waves are too big somewhere and you can't get out to your rock because the waves are too big. You're like, I can go to my sandy beach spot. It's this, it's good on those conditions, but I'm not worried about getting washed away, you know, killed because I'm doing something reckless. So there you go, that you have that like picture of where if you can hopefully figure out golden conditions is what I'm calling them, and you can apply them to different areas, maybe you'll get, you know, fish anywhere you want, whenever you want. All it is is time. It is all time and it's all really difficult to handle because it's so, it's gonna take forever to do. It's gonna take a long time. Yeah, so you wanna just make sure when you're fishing, you can set yourself up for success. That's like my the thing, like I don't wanna go fish when I know I'm not gonna catch anything, even though this happens. Sorry, my throat's getting dry here. So I know that I want to fish where the, uh, wow, that was almost bad. It's the, there's so much pollen in the air right now. My, my contacts are drying out. Everything's like dry. Um, and so anyway, um, what I'm trying to say is when you, you try to figure out when you can figure out the golden conditions for your area. And I'm talking about miles of coastline. You can figure out miles of coastline. Uh, and as I always say, don't drive any more than 25 minutes away from your area because there's no point unless you have to like drive, unless you're like live inland and you have to drive to the coast, then it matters much less, but it's a lot easier when you live a few minutes away from the coast to be able to, um, say, I don't want to fish any further than an hour or half an hour away. Cause an hour is a long way. I could fish pretty much in an hour. I get pretty much almost drive down to the Cape 
an ohms drive up to Maine from on Cape Ann. Um, and I, I kind of be equally distant apart from that. Um, so the, so the, so I can fish both of those areas. That's so much coastline. I couldn't like, I couldn't even comprehend how, like how much coastline that is and how much it varies, you know, how much it's so rocky, you know, up in Maine and it's so sandy and flat and everything in on the Cape. So there's so much different change between that. I, that would be too much for me. Um, that's why I like fishing on, on, uh, Cape Ann because we're lucky enough to have pretty much every single shore fishing condition. We have rivers, we have two rivers, we have estuaries, we have sandy beaches, we have rocks. So we're so fortunate to have all of these different places and every single one of these places people catch giant fish from. It's like, it's kind of like its own. I mean, I guess everywhere that's the case. There's a lot of different places that have a lot of different conditions, but there's a lot of different places that have a sneaky amount of big fish. It's just the amount of effort that you put in to fishing for them. And uh, effort can come in many different ways. It can come in just sheer time. I know people that just out, like they out time it. They just fish so long and they have their water in the, they have their lure in the water for such a long period of time that they can, there, it's just numbers. It's a number game. At that point, it's like the bass have to move through this area. When are they going to move through this area? And my lure is going to be there. You can cut hours of your life out though. If you know, if you have a log, because then you don't have to spend hours and hours and hours fishing, even though that's much more fun than spending hours and hours, you know, writing in the log. It's just that you'll spend way more time of your hours and hours fishing, actually catching fish and catching giant fish versus just being there to be there, you know? And I uh, pretty much everybody that's listening here wants to be able to catch bass either consistently or catch bigger fish. And this is the one thing that you can control. And that is the amount of effort that you put into it and everything else you can't, if you can't control the fish, you can't control the condition, the weather, you know, you can't control any of that. So it's, so that's all out of your hands. So what can you do personally? And that is, you know, keeping a, a very, a good log and then being smart about when you're fishing. Cause then, you know, you can fish whenever. Like I, I don't like say I'm fishing every night. Like sometimes I want to go out in the middle of the day, 12 o'clock and go fish. But I, when I go out and fish at 12 o'clock, I know it's not going to be like crazy fishing. It might be, but it's probably not going to be. But when I do go out fishing, I know I'm like, okay, I'm probably not going to catch a 20 pound bass. It's possible. I've done it before. I've done it many times. Caught my biggest fish at 12 o'clock and it was 90 degrees out, not a cloud in the sky. But at the same time, I've had way more days where I go and I catch and I can I'm working hard to catch a schoolie. So when I am going to go during the day, in the middle of the day, I put myself in a spot with the correct conditions where I know that I'm going to catch a fish. And that's like, for sure, I'm going to catch a big, not a big fish, but for sure I'm going to catch fish. And that has to do with tide, time, a day, like time of, um, yeah, it really has to do with tide. What tide is it? And that's important to be able to have a spot that's in every single tide. That's also very key. That's something that I would do first. I'd have, I'd try to figure out like, it doesn't matter really the conditions of wind direction and everything. I would say have a spot that you, you can fish and you know you can catch fish from at low tide and at high tide and sometime in the middle on either side of it. Um, and hopefully that's, that's, you know, hopefully you can do that and hopefully you can drive to a spot in your area to do that. It's sometimes a lot harder when you live on 
right? If you live on Long Island, I don't know anything really about that. I shouldn't really go there because I don't know anything about it. But say you lived on something that was like a big sandy beach, you know, but it was like miles and miles and miles of the same structure. So it almost always fishes the same, but not really. There's always going to be spots that fish differently. So I guess it doesn't really... I mean, it's easier for some people. They don't have to drive as far. They don't, yeah, I mean, it's easier for some people like me that have almost all the conditions that you can fish from shore on Cape Ann. And I don't know what condition we don't have. That's why I'm saying almost, but I'm still leaving that up because really we have rivers, we have estuaries, we have sandy, we have flats, we have sandy beaches, we have like everything. Really, we do. Uh, we have huge rocks and I'm talking about it's not even that we have all those different conditions we have beaches that are have like deep troughs like right off the beach like sandy beach then we have beaches that are super flat we have um all sorts of like we have pretty much everything and that's why it's such a crazy place to fish and there's so much to it um that i i just haven't explored yet so i'm super excited that i'm i'm like i'm pretty i'm like i guess i'm fairly new to it as far as like new to other areas so i'm really excited to be able to explore so much more of it uh i think that's something that a lot of people are hoping they can do um yeah i mean i feel like i feel like i've, I've explained it a little bit in this podcast and i hope this helps some people and uh i was trying to be a little bit more um i don't know myself this podcast so you can so hopefully you were able to understand that i'm so like when it comes to this i'm just so passionate about it and i have a million things my mind's going at a million miles an hour and i'm talking at a million, a million miles an hour and that's my problem is that i talk extremely quick and i um talk over myself a lot of the time so i'm trying to get better at at this talking to the camera uh one thing that like happens to me is like i'm doing like the narration for the um for the trailer the stripe s hunt show trailer um and i have to be like i i can't like say it correctly and i had to like redo it multiple times i said it correctly off camera but as soon as that camera and that recording not the camera but as soon as the uh the uh we were recording the sound like i have such a hard time like getting the being able to talk to the camera so i'm trying my best to get better at talking to the camera um and the thing is, it's like I catch, I do catch big fish. You know, I've done, I've done well at that. And not a lot of people that are um, like savvy with technology will like, like do um, shows and do podcasts and stuff. And when I'm, you know, trying to fish, the biggest thing for me is having someone that out there that uh, is either in my area or just knowledgeable about fishing talk and even if they're less knowledgeable than me that the still like being able to listen to someone's different opinion about things always helps and i i've listened to i've gone to seminars and i've listened to seminars where i don't agree i like i almost don't agree with everything the person is saying even though they do have something and they'll always there's always something and i always talk about this in every article you can have articles that you just disagree with in fishing completely it's all preference because the fish are the fish and then pretty much every way that you fish, every way that everyone fishes could work in some form. You know, it might not be the way I would fish and the way I like fishing, but there are different things. Like there's guys that are extremely good at catching fish on bucktails. I'm not a huge fan of bucktails. I do fish them in the spring when the conditions are wavy and I do fish them in the fall when the conditions are wavy. I don't fish them a lot in the summer, 
but I don't. But if I can get away with not using a jig, I'm not going to use a jig. I'm using or soft plastic for that matter. Um, I'll more readily pick up a soft plastic than I will a bucktail, but I still don't rarely throw soft plastics. I'm always throwing wooden plugs um, when I fish or like eels, and that's pretty much it. That's all I do. Um, but the cool thing about plugs is you can really catch. There's so many different styles of plugs that you can fish every single, you know, water depth and every you can anything you can fish any bait anything like the people if you think of it somebody's created something for it um and so i hope that you know i can keep progressing and i can keep progressing not only in the the show and in the podcast uh, i can also as a fisherman and hopefully you guys can watch me do this because there's a lot to go like this is gonna get crazy in the next few weeks um, I think what's going to happen is, and I'm going to call this now, the show is going to do really well. I have a very good feeling about the show, um, and we're fortunate enough this year to have everything the way it is. Unfortunately, the unfortunate conditions as far as the coronavirus have actually opened some doors for me. So um, I am going to have the ability to, uh, and it's also shut a lot of doors, but it's also opened a few that are pretty unique and crazy. Um, but I have now way more time because I'm not in school. So now I can fish from the beginning of fall, like the beginning of spring all the way through the spring, whenever I want, no matter what time of day it is. So, uh, because I can always do my schoolwork at any time of the day, it's not like direct, like I need to do work. Um, so that helps me a lot. And then having my siblings home, my camera guy around, I can do so many different things. Um, and so the, the season's not going to be the way I thought it was going to be, but I think it's going to be very cool. And also, I think the fishing is going to be, I think the fishing is going to be good this year. I've heard there's a lot of bunker around. I know people in Rhode Island are catching bass at a pretty steady rate right now. Um, I'm not sure if they're on the Cape yet. I need to hear, I've heard whispers, but I still don't fully know. So I need to figure that out. Um, and when I do, I will, if I have a podcast, I'll tell you, but I'm going to go to the Cape at the end, maybe at the end of next week, maybe at the, if I, really I'm looking for the on the water magazine, um, report, cause that's, that's going to show me for sure where they are. Cause they have all sorts of, they ask way more people than me. Uh, but they're always a few days behind. If I had to guess, they're going to be Rhode Island and then they're going to be just about on the Cape. And when they say they're just about on the Cape, they're actually on the Cape pretty decent amount because we were getting fish on Cape Ann way, way before they actually said we had schoolies on Cape Ann. They said, oh, they're into Boston, South Boston, but they're really, they're fully on to Cape Ann by that point. Um, so I know that by the 22nd, I'm hoping we'll get that week of the 22nd. I'm hoping because it's a new moon, the bass will be migrating faster. We'll be able to, I'll be able to start catching my first fish. Um, and by then, I mean, really, the people in Maine, I feel bad for you guys because you have probably almost a month before you're going to be getting fish on in Maine, um, which sucks because, uh, yeah, that's 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 tough because, like, I'm itching to catch fish right now, and I can't imagine having to wait another month while I watch on social media everybody else catching fish. It's killing me. And not only that, some guys are getting some legitimately large fish. Um, yeah, I mean, the guys in New York, oh my gosh, I mean, those migratory big 
females that are coming out of the either the Hudson or coming from the Chesapeake, they're catching some absolute cows, like 30, 40 pound bass. It's been it's been sick. Um, and so hopefully they get here in the next I'm I'm probably calling I wanna get my first twenty pound bass in um end of May, early June, like first week of June. If I can't get one in the first week week of June, I'm gonna be sad. But I'm gonna try to get them really early in June. That I don't. It's the June new moon. Um, the June new moon is my one of my like. That's when you can catch. In my opinion, that's like number one for us on Cape Ann. Like that's the first shot you have at getting a fish that could be 50 pounds. Like if you're gonna go tackle a 50 pound bass, there's other new moons that work great. But that new moon in June, that's the same as the new moon in October. You know, that's like. That's like that's the time if you could if you're gonna get onto a like a huge fish because you have the still the bait migrating and the concentration of large fish because if you think about it everybody down in Maine they have to or up in Maine they have to um, have these big fish have to pass us first so that means that there's gonna be a lot of big fish that are have that are moving through every area so think about that try to see when those big fish are gonna be setting up in your spot and the thing is. You can see a lot of that on your your um, your fishing log. You have your fishing log. You can see when you have waves of larger fish moving through or waves of smaller fish moving through. And historically, that's around the same time every year that you'll have a very good bite. I had a very good bite in June. I had a very good bite in late July and August. And then I had a very good bite in late August. I had my best bite in late August. I got my biggest fish in late August. Um, and so... That's like, and then I had my one of my best number days of bass in those twenty to thirty pound range. I had probably one day where I had, what maybe eighteen to twenty bass over thirty pounds, or twenty pounds, you know, twenty to thirty pounds. I like, I can't really think. I have to look back at my log, but I had one day like that. That was insane. Where I had like in the teens, if not twenties, of bass over twenty pounds, um, in only like a two to three hour span of time. Uh, too. So it was not very long either. It was every single cast and they're right at our feet the entire time. Uh, it's stuff you read about. Like that was, for me, like that was like one of my favorite moments of the season. Um, and yeah, so anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. Um, this was a fun one to make. Uh, I'm very bored. Uh, I'm going to try to do some filming. I know I said I was going to do... Um, I know I said I was going to take a video of me pencil popping and like how to pencil pop. That is going to come out at some point. Again, I'm just trying to like, yeah, this might come out next week, but I'm trying to figure this out because number one, there's like not a lot of open areas for us to fish beach wise. So you kind of have to figure out like off the rocks and then I have to get all suited up and it's just like, it's a big deal. So I might do it when we're in, we're on the Cape. I might do that video. Uh, but just know that I'm going to do some tutorials and they're coming. Um, as well as if you want to see these Puma plugs, Joe from Puma, Joe Dion from Puma plugs has come out with a whole bunch of, um, a whole bunch of, uh, like videos on his, inst on his, um, not his Instagram, but on, he does have one video on his Instagram, but on his, uh, website where you can buy his plugs, where it shows those plugs getting like worked in from a drone shot from above. So you'll be able to watch his pencils and Magnum walkers and stick shads or whatever he has on there i'm not entirely sure every single plug that he's filmed but he, you'll be able to go and look at see what those look like um from above and see exactly what the action are on those plugs because that's the primary plug that i fish because um 
I work with him. So yeah. Uh, anyway, so thank you guys for watching this podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, watching or listening and I will see you next time.